passage of scripture that uh, stood out to me with regards to this uh, topic this morning um, is actually found in John's gospel, even though we'll be looking at one of his epistles, the second epistle, or letter, or postcard, as Bill had mentioned, just 13 verses. It was the time when the Lord was standing before Pontius Pilate, or as I might also rephrase, Pontius Pilate was standing before the Lord. And the Lord Jesus said, Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? I might say, well, that's a, it's an easy one. I don't know if you ever grappled with that. What is truth? I mean, I don't read that Pontius Pilate was stupid, unlearned. It's actually a very profound question. What is truth? Before we begin, let's look to the Lord. Our God and Heavenly Father, as we look into your precious word and think upon our Savior, and this subject before us, we commit ourselves into your hands that you would be pleased to bless us by the leading of the Spirit of God, that these words would reach into our heart and we be edified thereby. We thank you for the Lord Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. The word truth occurs more than 20 times in John's epistles. Over 20 times this word is used. And uh, so as we read through Second uh, John, just uh, if you would make a mental note of the number of times in these short verse, short uh, 13 verses here, that the word truth uh, is mentioned. And it is also of interest as we read through this to think about why this letter, why this person, why this subject matter? Second epistle of John. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth, for the truth's sake, which dwells in us and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he has both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. 
For he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy might be full. The children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. Strong's Concordance um, refers to this word truth as true, not concealing, and nothing hid. You know, in a court of law, when a witness or a defendant or uh, um, an expert is called to testify, you remember what the bailiff says, raise your right hand, do you solemnly swear to to tell the truth, is that it? The whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help you God. And so the reverse side is, yes, I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. And in Webster's, we have um, this word defined as fidelity. Some here know what the word fidelity means. Um, High fidelity, remember that? (laughs) Record players. I know some of the young people don't know what that is. But it's high faithfulness to the original. But even more so, and this is a little bit more of a complicated phrase, it's the state of being the case. You have to kind of think about that one, truth. The state of being the case. There's really no wiggle room in that. This is it. In John chapter 8, we have a very interesting phrase. I'll just read it. Feel free to turn if you'd like. It's a few verses, 23 to 25, and then verse 32. But Jesus is speaking with the Pharisees and those with them, and it goes, And he said unto them, the Lord speaking, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. This is John 8, 23. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am, great topic for another message, you shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus said unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. That's the phrase. Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. Uh, Darby translates that as altogether, altogether that which I say unto you, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, nothing hidden, faithful. So we have these uh, opening verses to this lady and um, her children. And uh, that word uh, elect means favored or chosen. But importantly, the lady was loved by John. The lady was loved and her children by all those who know the truth for the truth's sake. The question is, and as I was reading this letter, are there things that can enter into the life that can tend to uh, overshadow or diminish the truth that we are called to abide in and to enjoy? Why this woman says her children are walking in truth Verse 4, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth 
as we have received a commandment from the Father, not just God, but from our Heavenly Father. Remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, the voice from heaven was, this is my beloved Son. Hear him. Verse 5 is what caught my attention. Why the word beseech? And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. As I mentioned before, um, this word commandment can uh, sometimes trip up people. It uh, sounds so regimental on the verge of legalism. But the word means authoritative prescription. Authoritative prescription. We go to a doctor. We don't go there to tell him what's wrong with or her, what's wrong with us. We go there submitting to their authority. And we're looking for an answer. We're looking for that prescription. These commandments are authoritative prescriptions from the one we approach for our healing, our health, our blessing. So when we read the word commandment, keep in your back of your mind, there's a reason there for it. That ye love one another. You know, there's a difference between walking in truth and loving one another. Would you agree? I think both are necessary. And perhaps that is something that this elect lady, who John loved, wanted to say. Uh, He wanted her to hear, I should say. John rejoiced that the children we're walking in truth. We're to pray for our children that they would heed the authoritative prescriptions of our loving God and Heavenly Father. Right on the heels of verse 6, we have the word for. And if you're just casually reading through this letter, You might just continue right into verse 6, 7, 8, and so forth. But the word for at the beginning of verse 7 tells you that there's a reason it's there for. That ye walk in love, that ye love one another. Could this be something that the apostle was trying to encourage this woman to embrace? Could there have been truth but perhaps not love. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Not walking in love can open one up to attacks from the enemy. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18, we read, 
Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. According to Strong's Concordance, the word translated Antichrist appears only in this epistle of John. And it means an opponent of the Messiah, Antichrist, an opponent of the Messiah. This person is referred to uh, under another name in the book of Revelation, chapter 13, this particular personage, although there are two beasts mentioned in Revelation 13, one beast coming up out of the sea, it is this second beast, the false prophet, coming out from the earth. And the word used there for beast is a dangerous animal even venomous. It's the same word we find in Acts chapter 28. You remember when the snake came out of the heat and clamped on to Paul's arm and he shook it off into the fire and he was unharmed. What a topic for a message there. That's the word beast. There's another time where beast is used uh, specifically in Revelation and that's near the Uh, the front end of the book there, chapter 4, we read of those that were surrounding the throne. There was um, a beast like a lion, a beast like a calf, a beast like uh, the son of man, and a beast like a flying eagle. It's actually a different word than the word beast that's found in Acts 28 and Revelation 13, and basically just means a living creature. So just a point to... uh, to keep in mind there. So some translations would actually uh, read in Revelation 4, speaking of those four uh, living creatures that surrounded the throne, not to be confused with a dangerous, venomous beast. But in verse 7, you know, there's a phrase there that's really a, a prerequisite. And it says they confess or they agree not You know, confess is not the same as repent. Do we know that? Confess means I agree. Yep, I robbed the bank. Yep, that was me. Repent means I'm sorry I did it and I won't do it again. So there's a difference there. But confess not. They agree not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. They might say, well, you know, there are groups out there that I would have no contact with who would say those words. The important thing is we have to look at the words. They're there for a reason. Jesus Christ come in the flesh. In Matthew 16, we read, um, beginning around verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Matthew 16. And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter knew what those words meant. 
And that's why Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. So let's take a look at this phrase, Jesus Christ come in the flesh. The word Jesus is uh, the Greek form of the Hebrew Jehoshua. And Jehoshua or Joshua means Jehovah is salvation. Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. The word Christ is the Greek form of the Hebrew word Messiah. And it means anointed. In this case, Jesus Christ, it is not anointed as is um, the verb to anoint or to rub with oil, but it's a proper name. Many were anointed, pouring out upon a person with oil of the Spirit of God and so forth. David, the priests, Cyrus, king of Persia, Israel, Saul, all were spoken of as anointed, but not as a proper name, not as Christ. The Lord was anointed. If we turn to Acts chapter 4, and while you are doing that, Acts chapter 4, verse 24, and if you'd like to, I'm going to read from Psalm 2, verse 2, just portion there. So while you're at Acts 4, 24 to 28, I'll first read Psalm 2, 2. The kings of the earth set themselves. That means they weren't going to be moved. And the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. You have that, right? So if we go to Acts chapter 4, beginning at 24, and when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? And here we go. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. So Psalm 2, we have the word anointed used. Here in Acts 4, the word is properly used also. It's Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child or holy servant Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. In Psalm 45, and while you're, uh, while I'm going there, I'll read a portion there. Please turn to Hebrews 1, verse 8. I'll go there too, since I didn't write that out. So I'll read from Psalm 45, verses 6 and 7, and if you would, wouldn't mind going to Hebrews 1 and verse 8. Psalm 45 reads, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever the scepter of thy kingdom, or that staff figuratively here, um, uh, the scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, 
has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. We read in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 8, who this is speaking of. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Many will come to the door, and that's not the message they'll bring. John chapter 12, I'll just read a portion here, beginning at verse 3. Familiar passage, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Remember in the day, they would lay at table. It's not that he was, Mary was down at the Lord's feet sitting on a chair, but more than likely he was reclining at table. And that way she could wash his feet, anoint his feet, wipe his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. And uh, much ado was made about that. Do you recall? Why couldn't this be sold and given to the poor? Well, there's truth, right? Where was the love? (laughs) Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this, that anointing. It's a beautiful picture. So we looked at Jesus, Christ. Let's look briefly at the word Messiah, uh, very briefly. Again, as a proper name, it's only found two times in the Old Testament and two times in the New Testament, as we have it translated in our, in our Bible. Um, Daniel chapter 9, verses 25 and 26, we won't go there, but that, of course, is the passage Uh, speaking of the 70 weeks of Daniel, uh, where it speaks of Messiah the prince, and Messiah shall be cut off. Do you recall that? Those are the two times in the Old Testament. The two times in the New Testament, John 1, 41. uh, He, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, first finds his brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ which means the anointed. The next passage is John chapter 4, the woman at the well. She said unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Jesus Christ come in flesh. This is not the message that those who would seek to deceive would bring. He entered into the world. We referred to this this morning. John chapter 1, verse 1. Couple that with John chapter 1 and verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same, or he was in the beginning with God. Verse 14 of John chapter 1. And the word was made or became flesh and dwelt among us. We now have a parenthesis. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, that excellency that was on display, full of grace and truth. Also referred to this morning, Hebrews 4, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tested or tempted like as we are, yet without sin, sin apart. 
Another important verse is 1 John 3, verse 5. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin, or in him sin is not. We speak of the Lord coming, and rightly so, in human form, yet with a sinless nature, not a fallen nature. To say that Jesus had a human nature to somebody is not the whole truth. Speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. In him was light, no darkness at all. So just to recap, verse 7, there are many deceivers that are entered into the world who confess not, they will not agree that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Again, John is writing to this lady who he loves, who all those who know the truth love, for the truth's sake. Look to yourselves that we receive a full reward. What can hinder love? What can hinder love? Discouragement, impatience, frustration, pride, jealousy, unconfessed and unrepented sin, an unforgiving heart, even though we've been forgiven much, allowing a root of bitterness to spring up. Hebrews 12. John, again in his epistle, first epistle, chapter 4, verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Look to yourselves, uh, John writes there. Guard our love one towards another, that it not be lost, that it not be damaged or diminished. It is precious. Verse 9 of our epistle, Whosoever transgresseth and abides not in the doctrine of Christ has not God. He that abides in the doctrine of Christ, he has both the Father and the Son. This thought of relationship, Father and Son, you know, even in the fourth word of our Bible, in the beginning, God, that's the plural Elohim is the plural of Eloah. In the beginning, God. There's more than just God. There's Father and Son and Holy Spirit. 1 John chapter 2, feel free to turn if you like, but chapter 2, verses 22 and uh, then 26. You know, it's interesting. To really understand 2 John, you have to read 1 John, all five chapters. <laughs> I don't know if you got that point yet. 1 John 2, 22. Who is a liar? That's a pretty strong word. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. It doesn't say he is like Antichrist. It says he is. Whosoever denieth the Son the same has not the Father. 
He that acknowledges the Son has the Father also. 1 John 2.26, These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. In 1 John chapter 4, I'll read the verse and then a few comments. And notice the capital S and lower S, lowercase s as you read. 1 John 4, 2. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit, lowercase, of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. This word spirit in uh, Strong's Concordance speaks of a current of air, a current of air, a breath, a breeze. The context of the passage drives the use of a capital S for Holy Spirit and a small s. The capital S is the third person of the Godhead, a proper name. The small s is more the power behind an action, an influencer. We read of the influencing spirit of truth and the influencing spirit of error in 1 John 4. So how do we know which influence we are to yield to? Abide in the doctrine of Christ. What loss not to do so? And what gain is to be had when we make it our own? Verse 10, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. These are probably the verses that uh, really define this epistle for many people. And I'd say rightly so. Stopping at the door. We cannot love more than God can love. For he is love. And when we know this, there's no justification to say that we're to invite these people into our home, thinking that it's love to do so. And it's not love not to do so. We're hospitable people, aren't we? But the apostle says, receive him not into your house, nor bid him Godspeed. Share the gospel at the door. Share what the Lord has done for you. Be preemptive. Don't start going down those rabbit trails. You'll get tied up like a pretzel. What message are you bringing? Ah, let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. Don't let him in your house. We let a lot of things into our house, don't we? Cable TV, the internet, people, messages, ideas that get into the hearts and minds of our children and we never even know it anymore. It used to be the phone ring, father and mother got the, got the phone. Who are you calling? Who are you asking for? Who are you? Right? No more. Right there, around your phone. Very dangerous. Stop it at the door. You know, the Bible says to keep the truth, to guard it. Adam was told to keep the garden. Remember that? It means to guard it from harm. 
We're to follow these authoritative prescriptions, and every word matters. Be careful that we're not an unwitting partaker of these evil deeds by those who would come to our doors. If you have to say anything in departing, perhaps the phrase, consider your ways, would be more appropriate. Because have a good day is not the thing you're to say. God bless you is not the thing to say. Perhaps consider your ways would be the message that those who would bring seducing spirits to your door need to hear. Very often you'll find, again, this is usually the cults that will come around, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and so forth. And they'll be the uh, disciplers and the disciples. <laughs> the disciples need to hear what God has done for you in your life. Those who are mentoring need to hear, consider your ways. That would be best. Having many things, verse 12, to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. Perhaps this lady's joy was not full. There was something hindering her in her walk with the Lord, walking in truth, walking in love, that a face-to-face meeting, that was the only answer. It couldn't even be written down. We don't do that anymore today, do we? This, let's just text a quick note. I don't care if I interrupt people or not. That's just my own little. The children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. So when Pilate said, what is truth? The answer is not a what, is it? It's a who. He was standing in the very presence of truth. There are many today ever learning, ever learning, and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. The use of that definite article there means there's no other. No other man can come to the Father but through me. He is not a way, he's the way. He's not just a truth, one of many, he's the truth. And he's not a life that some can grab for, he is the life, eternal life in our Savior. So Pilate asked, what is truth? But what Jesus said just before then, and we'll close with this, John 18, 37, Jesus said, everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. May God add his blessing to the reading of this precious word. Our God and Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, for this passage before us, for this dear brother John in writing to this elect lady these beautiful words may we take them to heart father for the truth's sake for jesus sake may we go forth from this place in truth and in love loving one another because of our savior it's in the precious name we pray amen